you know, even superheroes need to take a break from saving the world. Sometimes they have to battle their evil alter egos and fix their outdated software. On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss Superman 3. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and joining me today in the co-host chair is someone who, much like Superman 3, knows how to bring the perfect blend of wit, charm, and has a knack of thwarting any unexpected computer glitches. It's the creator and host of the 80s Fleet Flashback Podcast. Please welcome Tim Williams. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Thank you so much, Laramie. Uh, not a problem. And it is <laughs> it is June. This is my birthday episode. Uh, yeah. And it is we we're I know we're supposed to be getting into the Death of Superman stuff, but I couldn't bypass this point because this is the 40th anniversary of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're about a week, a little over a week uh, ahead of its actual true 40th anniversary because it was released June 17th, 1983. It is also uh, the 75th review episode for Moving Panels. Oh, very nice. So, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Uh, of course, this is the 85th anniversary of Superman. Uh, it's just, it's a Superman summer. The summer of Superman. That's <laughs> what I should call it. You should have called, yeah, there you go. The summer of Superman. <laughs> I will have to get on that, put those ads out there. This is the there summer of Superman. There you go. So we are talking Superman 3. Tim has joined me for all of the Superman movies. Uh, Again, I said it was released June 17th, 1983. Everybody knows I first saw it on television. But when did you first see it? I am fairly certain that I saw this one in the theater. That is awesome. I think think this is the first Superman that I saw in the theater. Because I'm pretty sure I saw the first two on HBO. But I'm... Because, you know, my like, we, we talked about this on my Brewster's Millions episode a few weeks ago, another Richard Pryor movie. But my, my parents were pretty big fans of Richard Pryor. I had seen him in some of his PG movies like The Toy and Bruce, not yeah. Brewster's Millions. I went out at that point, but I think The Toy was out already. Yeah, this so was I his follow up to The Toy. You know, which is funny because he did he did uh, The Toy, which was directed by Richard Donner and then went yeah. to Richard Lester for Superman 3. It's but, also it's he's also a similar character. Yeah. Because he's a yeah. he's an unemployed guy mm-hmm. who takes a job on a whim and <laughs> yeah. for a rich white person. For yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh but yeah, so I'm pretty sure that I saw this one in the theater, but I do rem- like watching it again today, there were certain scenes where like I know I watched this part so many times. If that was just rewatching it on cable or if I had recorded it on off of cable or at some point, but there was, and I remember like reenacting some of the scenes as yeah. a kid. So uh, this one's, I really enjoy. Like I know it's not the best of the Superman movies. I mean, they, you know, it's not as bad as Quest for Peace, but it still has its problems. But I enjoyed watching it today a lot more than I did the last time I watched it. But I think the last time I had watched one, two, and three like all within the same week, and you kind of. You know, yeah. it's kind of hard to you come, see the drop see off. Those, yeah, you see the drop off. So, so, but kind of having some distance between watching the other ones and watching it uh, today, it was, it was good. It, it it gave me all the nostalgic feels that I wanted to have with it. Yeah. So we we of course will get more into that uh, conversation as we go along. Uh, like I said, I saw it on television, 
Mm-hmm. But of course, I've seen it several times on DVD, Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really have to rack my brain, and I want to talk to you about this, mm-hmm. of when I originally saw it, which opening did I see? Because oh, okay. when it aired on television, it mm-hmm. had the traditional space background okay with the yeah. crawl of the mm-hmm. the 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 credits mm-hmm. but that's not the actual opening the actual <laughs> opening is this um farce uh <laughs> yeah yeah this yeah very comedy heavy i don't know if you know old school i don't know if it was kind of an old school type of well it was very i we it definitely was, call it old school now, but even then, yeah. To me, it was it was very much of the time for I would say British comedy, probably, mm, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. makes sense because Richard Lester is British. Yeah, um, which that again, makes sense. Yeah, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, both Tim and I have both said it. This was directed by Richard Lester, who was the guy who took over for Richard Donner in Superman Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we talked about that in our previous episode. He is a more comedic director. He directed True. a hard a hard day's night, yeah, the Beatles, Beatles yeah. movie that it just has all the silly stuff going on. Uh, he directed the Three Musketeers, the one that's very comedic. Right, right. Uh, he directed that one, so he is a much more comedic director. And so having this opening is very Richard Lester, not very Superman. What what were your I mean what were your thoughts watching this this like Rube Goldberg uh, <laughs> events happening in this opening? I didn't laugh, which is sad because it's obvious they're going for comedy, but it just felt so out of place. Like yeah. I, it wasn't preparing me for a Superman movie. It was preparing me for like airplane a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, like a British, like a. a Mr. Bean or, you know, very odd, a physical comedy. There's no dialogue, really. It's all just physical bits. Uh, they've kind of strung together. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, eventually it's going to get to we're going to see Superman at some point. And then when it finally does happen, it's it's OK, but it just yeah. feels like it was kind of shoehorned in. Even when they ca- having cast Richard Pryor, you're kind of going at that point, you were going. So it's going to be a, it's going to be more of a comedy if you're going to cast him in the movie. So it's kind of setting it up to be more comical than the other ones, even though we talked about even in the second one, there were a lot of comedy bits that yeah. Richard Lester added in that made the movie very uneven and completely different from the original uh, Superman. So, it, yeah. yeah, it just it felt off. Yeah. And so this movie was written by uh, David and Leslie Newman, mm-hmm. who I don't know if I brought up again, this is going back to our very first episode, <laughs> I don't know if I brought up, they originally wrote the first Superman. Okay. They, they wrote the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when Richard Donner came in and he read their script, he then brings in Tom Mankiewicz. Right. And they make these huge changes. Mm-hmm. So you've got the Richard, you know, Richard Donner, Tom Mankiewicz came in, Superman, 1978, uh, classic. Mm-hmm. Superman 2, some people consider... Even better, it's got its flaws, as we just talked about, mm-hmm. but you blame that on Richard Lester then coming in. <laughs> right. So here we now have Superman 3, in which 
there's no Donner. Mm-hmm. There's no Mankiewicz. Mm-hmm. You've got David and Leslie Newman free reign with their script, which shows you how the original Superman uh, was going to be more campy until, yeah, exactly. until Donner came in. Right. Um, and then you've got Richard Lester free reign. And it makes me go, yep, y'all made a horrible decision. Uh, Saul <laughs> right. Kynes, uh in getting rid of Lester. Because... I mean getting rid of Donner. Oh, getting rid of Donner, yes. Uh, bringing mm-hmm. in Lester, yeah. Right. Have you ever heard about... Or yeah, I know you do your little bit of research before we record. Did you hear about mm-hmm. the original script for this movie? I didn't. I didn't dig too deep in the trivia okay. on this one. So the original script for this movie was it was going to feature Brainiac. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. It's going to fe- feature Brainiac and was also going to feature uh, Mr. Miship Pitalik. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it was going to feature Supergirl. Okay. Now, I don't know if that was, this was going to be Helen Slater Supergirl because, you know, that movie just came out the year after this. Right. So right. I don't know if they had already. Uh, cast Helen Slater and then when they decided to change it they went well we'll give give you your own movie Mm -hmm. Uh, I had heard that Richard Lester wanted or not it may have been David Newman one of them wanted Dudley Moore to play Mitchit Pitalik yeah I remember was talking about that before I think yeah which makes sense Uh, David Newman had written Santa Claus the movie yes yes makes uh, sense but I mean the These two also wrote Bonnie and Clyde. So (laughs) I I don't know where they're... But anyway, so the premise was was that you were going to find out that Brainiac had kidnapped or whatever uh, Supergirl when she was a baby. Mm -hmm. And he had raised her himself. So she looked upon him as a father figure. Mm -hmm. But then they were going to do this weird weird thing where Brainiac actually fell in love with Supergirl. Okay. But then when he brings her to Earth, she finds out about Superman. And then she falls in love with Superman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Not sure if they were going to make them cousins. (laughs) I hope not. If that was going to be something that would be revealed that mm-hmm. they were cousins, or if they were just going to ignore the cousin thing altogether, which would just be weird to comic book fans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was and and, and then they would team up. Uh, there was even a a thing about there was going to be time travel. Why not? Sure. sure. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm going to guess that's where Mitchit Pitalik would come in. Uh, but there would be time travel where they would have to go back to I think it was medieval times uh, when I read okay. it, and and Jimmy Olsen would go with them. And so, yeah, that's what we would have gotten. Um, so I would say I think Richard Lester and the Salkinds or whoever at least <laughs> saved us from that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but we, we got this movie. Let's get into the characters. Uh, I'll go through the list and then we can come back and talk about uh, who we want to talk about. Of course, we've got Superman himself, Christopher Reeve. First time with top billing. I do yes. want to mention that. Yep. Yep. We've then got the actual star of the movie, Gus Gorman, played by Richard Pryor. <laughs> Lana Lang, played by Annette O'Toole, who would go right. on to play Martha Kent on Smallville. Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. Uh, Ross Webster, played by Robert Vaughn. 
Vera Webster, played by Annie Ross, Lorelai Ambrosia, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the psychic nutritionist, played by Pamela Stevenson, Lois Lane, in a brief part here, played by Margot Kidder, also briefly appears Perry White, as Jackie, uh, played by Jackie Cooper, Mm -hmm. Jimmy Olsen, played by Mark McClure, uh, and that's pretty much your cast. So, um... Who who do you want to who, who do you want to talk about first? Well, let's talk about Richard Pryor. I mean, we've talked. I mean, you know, sure. you could talk about Reeve, but I mean, we've talked about him pretty much in all the other episodes. But Richard Pryor isn't terrible um, no. in the movie, and it really starts with him at the beginning. I mean, he he's kind of the story they tell as it gets started, and I thought he was decent. You know. It, it's it's kind of a throwaway character in a sense, and I mean it kind of links him. I say throw this part. Yeah, it's, it's kind, throwaway it, character. No, it really it's his story. Yeah, and Superman just becomes involved. Right, right. Which is an interesting story, and it's it, I guess especially going back and watching it now, you forget how computers were so new, especially that <laughs> yeah. early in the eighties. So the whole AI and what computers can do was probably a very big idea. Of course, we had war games that had come out around the same time uh, as that. So computers are this big kind of story story area that writers could kind of build stories around because people didn't know that much about them and what they could oh, do. They and definitely could, didn't know much yeah, about what they could yeah. do. So, so that was that was interesting, but I, you know, it is cool that Richard Pryor becomes this computer genius all of a sudden. I mean, obviously he took like the, the class, but then he figures out how to manipulate the computer to you know take the fractions of. Yeah, does he though? Because literally, his computer <laughs> hacking is just telling the computer what he wants what did, to, yeah, to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love when he's uh, going to get the Vulcan satellite. Uh, I think it's the Vulcan satellite Mm. and it might be when he's doing the, the paycheck, but he literally just types like, uh, break through all security. It was when he's getting the paycheck. I remember that one. That's it. He just break (laughs) through all security. Um, yeah, that wouldn't fly today for sure. I also, I pointed out to Bethany as we were watching it, uh, the couple of times where there was one time where he, he, he types the word override, but he Mm -hmm. spells it wrong. Oh, really? He only puts one R. One R. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's another point, and I think this is with the satellite, where he's telling the satellite what to do, and it says instructions received. So the the computer is responding, instructions Mm -hmm. received, and received is spelled wrong. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, when he's in the class and the the instructor comes up, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, and all he types is list. He types list, <laughs> and if you look, I know it's going. It's like all of a sudden, all this, you know, these strings of uh, code is coming across. Mm-hmm. But every single one of them starts print. It's like print, 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 <laughs> print, print, print. And I find, and and then there's the fact that he builds this supercomputer. Mm-hmm. Which let's first talk about the fact that they instruct this thing off of just uh, things written on the back of napkins and uh, <laughs> whatever else he wrote them on. Right, right. But Random just, be- doodles. just because he is a computer savant when it comes to using a computer, 
when did he learn the engineering skills mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to allow them to construct the <laughs> this supercomputer? And if the whole point of the supercomputer was it can do anything that they ask it to, what were these other computers doing? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what these other computers did. Yeah. Because yeah. he's... There's- He's controlling from a from a wheat manufacturer company, which for right. some reason needs a computer that has two key card access. Yes, yes. At the same time, at a wheat company, <laughs> but that computer is somehow also connected to bank ATMs, right. to Bloomingdale's to Mm -hmm. the traffic controller and Mm. then can somehow make the walk and don't walk people come to life. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, what, what do you need the supercomputer for? Yeah. yeah. I didn't quite. uh, Yeah. Once again, nobody knows what computers can really do. Yeah. So we just make them do anything. Yeah. And then it finds the missing piece of uh, kryptonite. Yeah. Um, yeah, y'all do understand that computers have to be programmed, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they have to be programmed. Right. Uh, Just like at the so, end it's like it's 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 feeding itself now. It's pulling energy from where it's like, okay, so now we're getting to AI where it's thinking yeah. on its own and then it somehow sucks in a live person and then makes them a robot by putting electronic things on the outside of them. Yeah. We're gonna hold on that because I want to come back to that later. <laughs> I knew we would. But I also want to go into the supercomputer and apparently this giant cavern size supercomputer. Yes. How yes. do you turn it off? You remove one screw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One screw. One screw. That'll, that turns it off. <laughs> one screw. Yeah. Uh, and I love how the axe just happens to be. Yeah. In that why one is there spot. an axe? Why is there an axe? <laughs> because it's got to be up to code. They can't build it without being up to fire code, right? There has yeah. to be an axe or a fire extinguisher within you know, in certain areas of it for sure. But even when they arrive and Vera was like, okay, you push that, you pull this, you do that mm-hmm. and you need to do that. And, and Lorelai, Oh, so you mean just push this red button. Go, mm-hmm. How do either of you know any of this? <laughs> Once again, he's a throwaway character. What is, why is he, he, <laughs> all he does is get things started, but they figured everything out before he even gets there. And why is he riding on a donkey to get to the cavern? To make it funny, because yeah, he was yeah. scared of the the James Bond balloon chairs. Uh, so, and why do uh, they have a skiing mountain on top of a city skyscraper? But anyway, okay, that was cool. I'm not, <laughs> w- but we'll get into that too. So yeah, let, yeah. let's get back to characters uh, as we get too much. Uh, so was yeah, Gus? Was Gus based on a real character? He was in not the comics. No, I didn't think so. Uh, they did bring him back in the Superman seventy eight run. Okay. No, Gus Gorman, other than him having the alliterative name that everyone in Superman mm-hmm. comics apparently needs to have. No, mm-hmm. he was made up for the movie. Uh, did you hear how Richard Pryor got the the job? Uh, is that when he was joking on the night show that he wanted yeah. to be in a Superman movie? Yeah. Yeah. He talked about he had just seen Superman 2 and it was mm-hmm. amazing. He could believe, you know, he'd love to be in a Superman. So the Salkinds went, okay. Uh, <laughs> Why not get Richard Pryor? Why not? Yeah. Pay him four million dollars. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is what they paid him. Four million dollars. I I have no doubt. So. Do you know how much uh, Christopher Reeve got? Not that much. One million dollars. 
But do you know who actually came out the best of everybody in this movie? Lois Lane or uh, Margot Margo Kidder. Kidder. Yeah, Margot Kidder got seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and she is in the movie for what seven minutes? Yeah, yeah. Yep, with her with her bad makeup tan in the end. Oh yeah, <laughs> that does look rough. Uh, I will say, I know you said we talked about Christopher Reeve a lot in the last two. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, I think this is the best Christopher Reeve looks in any yes. of the Superman movies. Yeah, I agree. His, I think his build uh, is, I think he's in the best shape that he is mm-hmm. from any of the, the Superman movies. And I I know at this time, Christopher Reeve was trying to break away from Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember if it was, I know it was around this time, but he had done uh, Death Trap, yep. which of course is spoiler to anybody who's never seen Death Trap. He's a villain in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another movie I think he did. Um, I mean, he did Somewhere in Time, just more he did kind of street. He did Street Smart. Where was that after this one? Uh, again, I don't Morgan, know. The, Morgan Freeman. That's the, the exact dates. Yeah. Uh, and he would later, I do know later would do Noises Off, uh, but that's more of a comedy Mm-hmm. But I, the other thing I have to praise Chris Reeve for is his acting in yeah. this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is amazing. He got I mean, to do a lot more in yes. this one, for sure. I mean, he got to stretch more as an actor, yeah. which and was we'll, very convincing, which I thought was really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll get into the, the evil Superman a little bit later. But um, let's talk about uh, Lana Lang, because there is a yeah. character that's from the comics that this was her first time. Uh, Annette to Lana Lang. Lana Lang first appeared in Superman number 10 in September of 1950. Uh, she has always been a friend of Clark from Smallville. Uh, the original, the, the character, however, was originally attracted to Superman, not Clark. And not Clark. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that was just to create the little jealousy mm-hmm. with, with Lois and create kind of a love triangle going on there. However, they did eventually go back and, at this point in the comics, she was Clark's like childhood sweetheart, which is mm-hmm. what we we now kind of always associate Lana with as being the childhood sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one problem. I, well, no, I, I actually do have a few problems with Lana Lang. First off, let me talk positive though. I love Annette O'Toole in this. Yes, yes. I love Lana Lang in this, even though she does some stupid stuff. But that's not <laughs> to fault Annette O'Toole's performance, right? Right. I would have loved to have seen more because when they end this movie, she's working for the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. She has this giant ring that Clark has given her. <laughs> right. I would have loved to have seen that story go farther. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, we get Meryl Hemingway uh, <laughs> to be the quote unquote love interest for the next movie. Mm-hmm. So what what were your thoughts on Lana Lang? Before I, I give some great. of mine. Yeah. I mean, I... I I thought it was smart as far as storytelling because Mark, you know, Lois had been the primary love interest or, you know, the kind of the romantic story for the first two and how it kind of ended in Superman two, where she doesn't know that he's Superman anymore. It kind of gone back to the way it was. Um, it was kind of nice to kind of bring a new person in. And I, like you said, I, I think Annette O'Toole was a phenomenal actress. I think she did well with what she was given. I wish there would have been more with her. Well, yeah, I, I I don't have much criticism about, you know, for her specifically. So my my first issue with the Lana Lang character 
is how she doesn't know Clark is Superman. Mm-hmm. Because they do seem to be really close. Right. Uh, now, we did... For people who don't remember this, in the original Superman, we do see Clark, Lana, and Brad in that movie. In the short right. little part at yes. the beginning. Yes. Uh, he's the one that takes Lana away uh, in the car. So that is Brad. So you have these teenage actors who have played the younger versions of them in high school. Mm-hmm. So why in... <laughs> The gym. I know where you're going. Do they have pictures of Young Christopher, Christopher Reeve <laughs> and Annette O'Toole? Yeah. Because by putting a picture of Christopher Reeve, a giant picture, by the way. Yes, yes. Of Christopher Reeve, Clark Kent, mm-hmm. without, without glass. glasses. <laughs> I didn't think about it until you just said it, honestly. Yeah. How do they not... Re- especially... Yeah. And then... Hey, look, Clark's back in Smallville. He hasn't been back in Smallville, you know, for a while now. And mm-hmm. oh, completely side because it just reminded me as I was saying that they just kill Martha off screen. She they they she, yeah. Yeah, throw away line. Talk about his mom passing. I totally missed that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back. So <laughs> Clark, first time he's been in Smallville in years and whatnot. Oh, look at that. The the little the little kid with uh, no intelligence uh, gets rescued by Superman. Wait, mm-hmm. what? Superman's Superman's never been in Smallville. Right. Uh, mm. Oh, and look, there's a giant picture of Clark on the wall. <laughs> and look, now we're all looking at Superman at this town celebration to give him mm-hmm. the key to the city. And no one can put two and two together. No. I mean, people already laugh at the glasses. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I just that was so strange to me. The second thing is Lana's decision making. So we of course know her bad decision of dating Brad when they were in high school. <laughs> right. Then they talk about I I think you're to assume that the guy she was prom queen with, that he was the prom king, is the father of her child. Yeah, that was kind of and then she uses the way she talks about how he it's like he just left, but they don't make it clear of did they divorce? Right. Did he die? Um, so it's hard. To, and then she she chooses to sell her ring, which is to explain why Clark gives her the ring later. Right. Then then they, they take a picnic, you know, <laughs> When would you choose to picnic? I know I would not choose to picnic when there's thunder happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the wind is blowing very heavily. Right. Where would you choose to picnic? It probably wouldn't wouldn't be in a field with a foot and a half tall grass. <laughs> right. Uh, next to a farm in which <laughs> the 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 harvesters are actually mm-hmm. running. Exactly. Because you you see them in the background. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then then there's the fact that while she's talking to Cl- oh, and then putting the dog food in the same container you're putting everybody yeah, else's food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then when they're talking, her ability to see the oil leak. Yeah. 
from the distance they are. And then when they show, <laughs> show the oil link to realize it's on the opposite it's side inside. of the car. Yeah. Yeah. But she saw it. Mm-hmm. And, and then we can even get into at the end, uh, she's showing off the ring to Lois. And of course, this is a giant diamond. Yes. The woman has just moved to Metropolis, the big apricot. She has <laughs> just, by the way, that's canon. That's in the comics. I just want to throw that. People laugh. At she calls it the big apricot. That's mm-hmm. in the comics. It mm-hmm. is called the big apricot. Um, she's moved to Metropolis. Now, you know, she hasn't had a steady job. She talks to Clark about struggling mm-hmm. because she had to pawn her, her original ring. Right. So Clark gives her this giant diamond. She's now living in the big city. How has she not already pawned that ring? <laughs> right. But yeah. <laughs> uh, must be must be paying good at the uh, Daily Planet. Yeah, to be a secretary. Which, just FYI, what was her job in Smallville? She was a secretary. Mm-hmm. It's literally what she tells him. <laughs> and she's now she's a secretary. So I don't know where, how sh- this is an upgrade for being now a secretary in a bigger city yeah. where the cost of living must be higher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> all right. so I got it. So I got a question with all that that you're saying, cause I, I, I agree with you. All of those things are problematic. Was this movie for children? Because uh, I think that's why I let some of that, st- like I see it now as an adult, but mm-hmm. as a kid, would none of that stuff would have mattered to me, and even like some of the comic oh, yeah, things that they're done, it's and even like you know we haven't got to the video game version of Clark when they're shooting the missiles at him, and I'm like, this is clearly you're clearly marketing it to young children, so um, that's why I think that you know those kind of things are forgivable. Maybe is the word I'm trying to say. I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, as as we talk, let's let's get back to character. We keep drifting <laughs> off from the characters. Always. Uh, I mean, we were, we were all talking about Lana, but it, we're, yeah. we're which I don't think they're even consistent. Is she Lana or Lana? I think <laughs> I think they they different change, people say it call different. different throughout yeah, the movie. exactly. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Ross Ross Webster, uh, another made up <laughs> character. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, played here by Robert Vaughn, who famously the man from Uncle. Yes. Uh, although yes. for me, he is always General Stockwell from the A Team. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. From what was it season five? Uh, I think. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It was after they get captured, and then mm-hmm. he's the one that breaks them out, mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. work for him. So a lot of people think that he is just a replacement for Lex Luthor. Yeah, that's what I thought watching it. I disagree with that. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why. So in the comics, Lex Luthor was a mad scientist when he was uh, originally brought Mm -hmm. on. I I think at even one point he was maybe more a gangster mobster type character. Right. Yeah. I remember talking about that. But the. The evil rich guy, the Mm -hmm. business dude that you know, is trying to conquer the world and uh, do it through nefarious means in a business world. Mm-hmm. That Lex Luthor didn't exist till 1986. After the movies. A- after the, the crisis on Infinite Earths. Gotcha. That's a post-crisis okay. uh, Lex Luthor. 
So if anything, Ross Webster is probably the reason why <laughs> we now associate that type of villain with Lex Luthor. I can get, I understand that. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor was a known villain. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, you got to think he had the secret layer underground. Yeah. yeah. Versus Ross Webster, who no one realizes he's a villain. Mm-hmm. He's a, you know, well-to-do businessman with this skyscraper in the middle of uh, Metropolis. And he has, you know, uh, Wesco, just like mm-hmm. later Lex would have Lex, you Lexco, know, yeah. Lexco uh, or Lexcor. Lexcor, um, yeah. Lexcor, yeah. And so, so really, I, again, I, I think it's, I think it is wrong for people to say that he is a ripoff of Lex Luthor, because if anything, Lex Luthor would eventually become what Ross Webster was. Mm-hmm. So that's just my thought on that. But I can see the comparison. You got Ross could be the replacement for Lex because mm-hmm. uh, Gene Hackman, the 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 rumor around the news is that he didn't want to be in the movie because of the way they treated Donner. Mm-hmm. Uh, which some people even say is the reason Margot Kidder's role is uh, shortened yeah, so much. I did see but, that. Yeah. yeah, but Salkin says no. It's because, like you said, mm-hmm. it's because the love story was over. Like, right, we were done with that love story. But then you could even argue that Vera Webster, his sister, mm-hmm. Annie Ross's character, is almost a replacement for Otis. Yeah. Yep. Because she's the lackey mm-hmm. uh, who's maybe a little. A little, you know, I hate to say this about a person, but a little dumb. Right. You know, right. and then you've got Lorelai, who could be a replacement for Miss Tessmacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did like that they make her a closet uh, yeah. <laughs> genius. <laughs> yeah, I love that, too. Although you would think if they're going to add that as a characteristic, they would use it for something. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. she does is you have the part where she's reading the the book and then mm-hmm. she hides it behind the magazine. Right. And then you have the, the part where she reminds them of kryptonite mm-hmm. and they went, what? And she was like, all right, crypto head or crypto. <laughs> uh, and then of course you've got the part where she knows to push the button. Right. Right. But other than that, they don't use the fact that she's actually intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I but now what we're going to get back into what you were talking about earlier with her character, <laughs> Again, is this a movie for kids? <laughs> because going back to that opening, what was the catalyst for everything that happens in that opening? A guy oogling her. Oh, you're right. You're she right. walks by with her mm-hmm. low cut dress. Yeah. And that's what starts everything. <laughs> and then, of course, you see uh, even Clark walks by her. Now, Clark mm-hmm. doesn't oogle her, but uh, Clark... Uh, causes the pie to avoid hitting her right. and, the and then guy. ends up hitting the guy that the whole thing started off of. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught that. It was the same guy. Yeah. Um, but, but then you've got her using her, um, using her looks to seduce Superman. Right. Um, 
which is another kind of plot hole part. So this is when he's evil Superman. Mm -hmm. She's on top of the Statue of Liberty. Superman shows up. And what does Superman say? I hope you're not expecting me to save you. I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Then why did you show up? (laughs) Right. But anyway, she seduces him. And then uh, we're going to raise our our rating probably just a little bit here. (laughs) After Superman stops the oil tanker, he goes back to her room. And what happens? (laughs) There's a little giggle. Right. He lays her down on the bed. He goes to lay down on top of her. We then see from Vera's room. Mm-hmm. And we just hear laughing. Right. Now, again, you talked about when you're a kid, you may not think anything of it. Mm-hmm. When you're an adult. You know exactly what happened. You know exactly what happened. Right. Um, and, and even when I she makes late. That, yeah, go ahead. You're, thinking, <laughs> go ahead. you're going there. No, no, you're no, no, no there. you go ahead. You go yeah, ahead. And then at the end, when she was like, what about last night? And he was like, that wasn't me. Yeah, he pulls like, off the shaggy excuse. Wasn't yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eh, was it so so yeah very much implied very much implied i do want to point out that pamela stevenson i was amazed when i actually i i had never looked into her as an actor before Mm -hmm. so she uh her fame kind of came from british television she was on a sketch comedy show called not the nine o'clock news uh, which also featured rowan atkinson yeah yeah and this was that, bef- that title this sounds was, familiar, yeah. yeah. And this was before Mr. Bean. It was mm-hmm. before Black Adder. So this was early. She was also on one season of Saturday Night Live the year oh, wow. after this in 1984. Wow. And she married and is still married to Billy Connolly. Really? Yes. Oh, and wow. they have three kids. <laughs> Uh, I did find out she has retired from acting, and uh, she pursued a degree in psychology. Okay. So, so go you, Pamela Stevenson. It's one way to transition. All right. So, uh, other thing I just wanted to point out, um, the little boy who is next Mm -hmm. to the photo booth when Superman gets out. Right. uh, A little trivia here is Aaron Smoloski, who actually played Baby Clark in the first movie. Oh, very nice. So here he is. Yep, here he is five years later. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the question so we can then move on. So out of this movie, who do you want to see again? And who do you wish would be turned into a cyborg robot? <laughs> oh, that's kind of a tough one on this one. I think we've kind of already discussed it. Uh, who who I'd want to see more of is uh, Annette O'Toole, Lana Lang. Yeah, I think I'm, that I'm was, with you on that yeah, one. Yeah, I think that I, I'm with you. I wish that would have I wish it would have been more of a story. And I really wish they could have put Lois in it to give that kind of more love triangle plot. It doesn't fit in this necessary storyline, but I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. You know, a little bit more. But who did I not? Hmm. That's really that's really tough. You're probably you're probably gonna say I'm like I'm gonna agree with you because usually well I'll go ahead and say mine. Mine is mine is Vera. Okay, I mean she is the one that gets turned into the the robot. But I really don't think they needed her in this movie. Yeah, you're right. Um, You're right. Anything, honestly, any of the stuff she does, I mean Lorelai could have done. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or Gus could have. She definitely. Yeah, she definitely needed more to her role. 
and you know she pops in here and there. But you're right, Lorelai has has more of a character than she does. Yeah. Um, and I hate. I honestly hated the jokes about her looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, because the first one when Jimmy's showing the pictures and he goes, "In this picture, uh, Perry White says this picture's blurry," and uh, Lois says, "No, that's just how she looks." Okay, first off, Perry White is like a 30 year veteran of <laughs> a newspaper editor. Right. He could tell if a picture's blurry, blurry or, or not. not. Right. Right. Uh, but then even Ross, when she's uh, introduced in actual, you know, in the actual movie, mm-hmm. she comes down the stairs and uh, she's fussing about, you know, needing to fire uh, the person who stole from them. Mm-hmm. And Ross's joke is get a grip of yourself. No one ever, no one, uh, no one else will or something like that. And I'm just like, oh my God, stop. So terrible. Right. And right. then they, they say something about, uh, then when Gus shows up, it's like, oh, is this your mother? And yeah, I remember like, that. Yeah, it's my, my sister. sister. Yeah, and I'm um, the she, younger sister, or yeah, yeah, the little or baby sister. I where she is it. And you know what? I I realize who I don't want to see. Okay, it hit me. The couple that wins the trip. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Why are they <laughs> in this movie? Why is that even a, a somewhat plot point? Like that whole that whole bit was like so unnecessary. And yeah, I I would they can. I don't. I don't want them. But I, I. Yeah, and I even agree with Perry when they come in. They're wanting to fuss about <laughs> yeah, it. He's like, like, "It's an act of God." God like, right? Yeah. What are we gonna do? I yeah. mean, even though it technically wasn't an act of God, it was True. an act of yeah. Gus. Right. But, <laughs> but still, yeah. Like, how could they blame him mm-hmm. for the weather? Right. It, it's an act of, but it happened in a church. Like that was yeah another another corny joke that doesn't land at all. There's there's a few jokes that don't land in this one. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <sighs> what seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR. But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s flick flashback podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. All right, let's get into the moving panels. Uh, so I already talked about 
the uh, connection with the original uh, storyline. Now, I will say Richard Donner did want Brainiac. Like mm-hmm. that was even Donner's plan was to use Brainiac. Mm-hmm. And so you you still kind of see there is a connection. You know, the computer. Yeah. I would yeah. say even Vera getting turned into the robot. Yeah, I mean that that's very very, brain- very light. Yeah, because it was around this time that Brainiac actually was a robot in the comics. Okay. okay. Um, which uh, you know the Super Friends, the challenges of Brainiacs are robot in mm-hmm. most of those. Uh, but I did some deep diving, and I found a Superman villain called Computo. Okay. This is Adventure Comics number 340 from January of 1966. Okay. And Computo is a giant computer built by Brainiac 5. Okay. So he's not meant to be evil. Mm -hmm. The the Computo is. It's just that Computo becomes, kind of like this this one does, becomes self-aware and turns on Brainiac. And even merges with Brainiac, huh. uh, similar to how the supercomputer merges with Vera, mm-hmm. which let's go ahead and talk about that. Vera getting turned into the robot is one of those scenes. I know you always ask in your show about those <laughs> iconic scenes. Yeah, yeah. Vera turning into the robot is one of those scenes that is burned into my <laughs> mind. Yeah. And as a we we've we've been talking about through this episode about watching it as a child versus watching adult. Mm-hmm. Watching this as a child is terrifying. <laughs> That's right, right. I mean, you're watching it as an adult, you understand how it's I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you know how makeup works and how yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, prosthetics. And you can also tell that it's um it's the reverse shot where they're actually mm-hmm. pulling the pieces off of her. Mm-hmm. There's and then when she opens her eyes, those had to be the most uncomfortable contacts. Right. But you this this scene is terrifying if you're a child. Yeah. And I'll say even like in that same vein, not this scene necessarily, but the evil Superman scenes are even hard to watch now as an adult. But as a kid that like I would idolize Superman, like seeing him be yeah. so creepy and being evil, like even when he's like yeah. being cre- when the, when the when the kryptonite first starts working and he's like, I've got time. I always make it there. Oh, he yeah. sits down next to Lana. And I'm like, I was like, I feel uncomfortable. You know, it's like, and yeah, I'm a 40 year old man. <laughs> we're we're going to come back to that. But I wanted to finish up about the, the computer. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. So in the, the comic, the Adventure Comics 340, Computo even uses a kryptonite ray on mm. Superman. Okay. Just like this one. Right, right. Um, but to make another connection, uh, Lex Luthor had actually once used a kryptonite ray on Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Superman number 149 in November of 1961, which is titled The Death of Superman. Okay. Uh, Lex Luthor actually kills Superman. With a kryptonite ray. Now, it is later revealed to be an imaginary story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, and then they even retconned it to say that actually happened on another Earth. Okay. That, that Superman died. Because in the very end, Superman number 150, Superman's back alive and there's no explanation uh, whatsoever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, since I said I was going to be doing Death of Superman stuff, had to throw that in. Yeah, it works. But now let's get into the kryptonite and the evil Superman. Mm-hmm. So, fake kryptonite. 
uh, this kryptonite, even though it is green, kind of takes on the same characteristics as red kryptonite from the comics. Okay. Which red kryptonite causes Superman to lose yeah. his, his, you know, um, his inhibition, mm-hmm. um, to lose his morality, moral, moral compass. Yeah. And, and then in this one, it eventually leads to the Superman split. Not the first time Superman has done this. I found adventure comics number 255 in December of 1958. The issue is called The Splitting of Superboy. He is split into two pieces um, by this alien with some sort of ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in th- But in this one, Clark is the evil one and okay. Superboy is the good one. But I like this one because they have a fight in a junkyard. <laughs> yep. The two of them fight in a junkyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then th- this one actually ends with evil Clark uh, being killed uh, by an explosion. Hmm. Like they imply that he blew himself up. Hmm. I also found, though, going into actual Superman uh, action comics, number 293 in October of 1962. The issue is titled The Feud Between Superman and Clark Kent. In this one, just like the movie, Clark is good. Superman is evil. Uh, just like the scene you just talked about in this comic, evil Superman comes on very strong to Lois. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I was with you on that scene (laughs) with Lana, like Superman, you're sitting too close, dude. Yeah. (laughs) I do like that. It doesn't go on too long. Yeah. Yeah. It is just a couple of uncomfortable moments and then Mm -hmm. he snaps out of it. There is also in this issue, uh, evil Superman causes an avalanche when he's trying to impress Lois, hmm. he also spins the world a little bit faster so he can make the day shorter. Okay. And he sends Supergirl and Crypto into the Phantom Zone. Oh, wow. In Action Comics number 115 in December of 1947, Superman makes a diamond by squeezing coal. <laughs> now, in this one, what they do is the merger, they or the split, they merge back together after 72 hours. Mm -hmm. And this is a funny little bit because, uh, the good Clark ends up like tricking the evil Superman. Mm -hmm. And because the evil Superman tries to make sure that they stay apart from each other, because as long as they're apart from each other, they can't merge. Right. Well, then evil Superman thinks the 72 hours is up and he's about to take out Clark and then they they begin to merge. And he was like, but it's been more than 72 hours. And Clark reminds him that because he made the world spin so that the days are shorter, <laughs> the 72 hours has now happened based off of original time, which is so stupid. <laughs> but Had but there you work. go. There, there's your comic connections. Okay. Uh, wanted wanted to get, get all those out. So let's talk about Evil Superman. Mm-hmm. First, amazing acting. Yes, from Christopher Reeve. Yes, absolutely amazing acting. Um, I I, I even love the costume design of making mm-hmm. his costume darker. Darker, yeah. Uh, which seems to get even darker. Yes. as it goes along. Yeah, I noticed that. Yes, it's silly that he straightens the Leaning Tower of Pisa. He <laughs> which blows they, out right the which Olympic they, torch. Which they wanted to use the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Superman Two, but. Lester wanted yeah. to use that in Superman 2. Didn't, well, didn't in have Superman a reason 2, for it. 
In Superman 2, they did the stupid thing where the, Zod and his people changed, changed the Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore just by one quick little blast of their <laughs> laser eyes. Right. Um, he blows out the Olympic torch, which mm-hmm. I don't know what Olympics this was. Because yeah. <laughs> even even the L.A. Olympics didn't happen until like the next year. Yeah, there there is a problem with time in this movie because at one point it says 83, but at his reunion... This class of 65, so it which should would be make 80. a 17. Yeah, it makes yeah, which, it a 17 year reunion. Right, which would have been 85, but then the Olympics would have taken place in 84. So, yeah, there's definitely some time problems in this movie. Yeah. And then. Uh, and then he does the the oil tanker where he crashes into it and causes the oil spill. Mm hmm. Oh, uh, and and. Oh, gosh. The freezing the top of the lake to drop on oh, top yeah. of the fire, uh, which was amazing, and that yeah. the that and that the water fell like rain. That it wasn't just one big melted. Yeah, just push. Right, and how it didn't yeah. melt until it got over the fire, which also yes. thought was phenomenal. Yes, or that it stayed solid when he's holding it from only one end. Yes, yes. Like he's not like it. it I get it's comic book physics. Yes. But it would make a little bit more sense for him to be underneath it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Than it was for him to hold it from the edge. Yeah. It's like he's uh, carrying a frozen pizza and just about to drop it on. Yeah. <laughs> drop it let, on let's, get, let, let's get Sorry. back to Evil Superman, though. No, you're fine, because <laughs> I literally have a list of plot holes and silliness that I want to make sure we've covered all. This could be but, a two-part episode. Go ahead. Yeah, let's go back to Evil Evil, <laughs> evil Superman. Superman. Yeah. The battle at the... The junkyard. junkyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, uh, I love how when Evil Superman arrives, all the workers disappear, mm-hmm. uh, so that there's no witnesses to what's happening. Well, he lets off that cool. that horrific scream. Oh yeah, yeah I yeah, would have yeah. ran the other way too. Yeah. Um, however, one, why does a junkyard need a pool of acid? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And two, why is that pool of acid not? fenced off why are there no signs (laughs) but the my overall question to you is the battle real Ooh, that's a good question you're asking is did it actually happen or was it that did it actually happen in his mind of separating because at the end when clark is choking out evil superman Mm -hmm. evil superman just disappears yeah I think, man, that's a good question. I think it is in his mind. I think it's the separate, yeah, separation mentally, but just seeing it as a fight makes it cooler for the movie. Yeah, because that's a real hole in that uh, compressor when he when right, Cl- right Clark breaks out of it. Yeah, and it's still there when <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's there's no way to know for sure, but I like that idea that it's it is. A mental he's, fight, yeah. It's he's yeah. It's he's he's uh, uh he's fight clubbing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so plot holes about the the kryptonite or the tar laced kryptonite because that's the yes. other or the unknown. Why do you have the tar? Which I thought was you know great. Um, I also thought it was interesting that it's a pack of camel cigarettes, even though in Superman two there's a giant Marlboro truck. <laughs> hey, get sponsors where you can. Um, but 
he never had like he holds it at the event, but we never see it again. Yeah. Yet it continues to change his behavior. Well, again, in the comics, Red Kryptonite, uh, kind of like you heard me say with that one storyline, like it has an effect, but it's like, I mean, it's like taking a medicine. Okay. Like, you know, after a while you would have to take it again or the right. effects wear off. Right. Right. And so I, I think it's that saying he was exposed to the, the bad kryptonite. Mm-hmm. And so there was now this time frame. Gotcha. Um, which, which again, you're, you're looking at why does he go to the junkyard? Well, mm-hmm. it's because of uh, the little boy who I honestly don't remember his name because right. he was such a, uh, <laughs> did not like Lana's right. little boy. Of him going, you know, I still believe you, Superman. I know mm-hmm. you're you're good on the, right. and it makes Superman kind of start shaking out of mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. and that's why this, he splits and has the battle with himself. Yeah. So you know, I guess you could look at it as it it was starting to wear off, mm-hmm. and then this was the battle. That, yeah. Or yeah. that just crack through to the good still inside of the him, the good side of him. Yeah. And then they it, he has the either external or internal battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's that was the question: is did that fight really happen? Yeah, but it's cool. I mean, I, when you talk about iconic scenes, that for sure. Oh, absolutely, is the most iconic of the movie for sure for me. I mean, this the Superman at the bar. I mean, that's a, a <laughs> meme and a GIF you see yeah. all the time pop yeah. up. Yeah, uh, it's just great. All right, so let me go through my list of plot holes and silliness. <laughs> In the opening, mm-hmm. first off, Clark. Uh, blows out the penguin that's on fire, mm-hmm. but then sends it right back into traffic. I wanted to point that out. <laughs> uh, he helps the dude who is drowning in his car. Let's ignore the physics behind that. But yes, he helps the dude that's drowning in his car, even though anyone could have just picked up a rock and bashed out one of his yeah, windows. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there is nothing done about the bank robbery that occurred in the middle <laughs> of it. True. There's no resolution to that bank robbery. Yep. I also love how the police just fired openly into uh, the street. Mm-hmm. The acid fire. <laughs> I will say this. I do appreciate the acid fire scene because it was a setup yeah. for the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Which we did not get in one or two. In True. one or two, we get these crazy Random. ways to end the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, two has a little bit because of the power dampener thing in the the fortress but Mm -hmm. but the mind erasing kiss the turning Mm -hmm. the world backwards Mm -hmm. in superman one i mean those just came out of the blue this one at least had a setup right but the fact that here's this acid fire that just happens to be occurring as clark and jimmy are on a bus on a bus and then a Apparently, this is the only reason, story-wise, that Jimmy needed to go with Clark so that <laughs> he could be there for this moment. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the fact that the police, even though they're talking about how big of a deal this fire, that's a chemical fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not going to make you go back, you know, 400 feet or anything. You just pull your <laughs> pull your bus over right here. Right. Uh, in which, while the policeman is still talking to the bus driver, both Jimmy and Clark get out. Mm-hmm. And then hide behind, but really beside a police car in which the cop that's in standing in front of it literally turns and looks at them. Yes. Yes. As they're ducked down and even mm-hmm. watches Jimmy as he is ducked down as <laughs> right. if he's hiding. Right. Right. Cop just watches him. Uh, so 
And then you're talking about your the block of ice. When Superman gets to that lake and he blows that entire, well, I say the entire lake. They couldn't even CGI that the lake was empty because as soon as he lifts <laughs> it up, the water is still so there. at the same level right, right. that it was. Right. But I had to say, why didn't you just do that at the acid plant? <laughs> just blow the fire up. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, let's see what else. I, I mean, if you want to talk more, you can talk more, but I'm just going through my list here. I'm sure you'll cover them all. Uh, I, I love Gus just happens to end up in Smallville and who's the first person he runs into Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, I love how Ross's plan to, when he sends Gus to Smallville mm-hmm. is so that, uh, they are not, it's not connected back to them, mm-hmm. but he sends them to, I know it's called wheat King, but it literally is a subsidiary of West Core. <laughs> like it says it on the the mm-hmm. the door. Yeah, I've got my why does the computer need uh the key cards to turn yes. at the same time? What kind of high security does a wheat place need? Mm-hmm. The the uh the traffic. Uh, the, uh, we've already talked about the craziness of the traffic people fighting each other. Mm-hmm. But I love how when he starts to affect the traffic, there's four corner. Nobody's moving. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it send all the pedestrians. So all four <laughs> corners, the pedestrians start walking. Mm-hmm. And then he sends the cars. What driver is going to start going forward when there's <laughs> that many people in the intersection to begin with? Right, right. So I wrote that down. Um I've got the misspelling of uh, the thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, going back to the kryptonite. Superman has seen kryptonite. Yes. Superman is aware of kryptonite. Yes. When someone brings out a giant green rock <laughs> and hands it to you and you're Superman, why is there no hesitation mm-hmm. in, in, in grabbing said green rock? Yeah. And, and the, let's go back to the green rock. You're presenting this thing to him mm. as it is. Why like they, make it look yeah, like kryptonite? Yeah. I was yeah. like, why wouldn't they just put it, make it, make it look like a trophy? Make it look like some, like yeah. form it in Hide something it else. Yeah, make, yeah. Put it in a, in a, like, see, I was thinking it would have been like, cause they gave like, they were some medallion, I think in the first one. It, yeah. In the first one, they put it on a chain. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Puts it but over. I was thinking like a medallion that like a little metal that he would wear that would have like a little piece of it inside. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, that, that, that. That one did did jump out at me. Like, why would they not? It's the exact same Rocky picked up from the lab. Like, they didn't make it look like anything else. Like, here's a gift from the military. I, I do want to point out, uh, we didn't bring this up, that Gus's plan to take the half cent from all the paychecks. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some of, uh, some of our viewers that are maybe a little bit younger than the two of us go, hey, that was the same plan in Office Space. Yes. No, Office space, space says... Mm-hmm. That they take the idea from yeah, Superman 3. Exactly. Like they say it in the movie. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, that's the plot of Superman 3. <laughs> um, speaking of plans, though, how does Ross's oil plan actually work? Because he gets the satellite to tell all the oil tankers to mm-hmm. just meet in the middle of the Atlantic uh, Ocean, the Atlantic. So if one captain chooses not to follow those orders because let's remember again, these boats are controlled by people. Mm -hmm. They may get their messages from a computer, but they're still controlled by people. Uh, Why wouldn't after the other 
boats arrive and notice, hey, we're all here. There's together. a whole bunch of oil tankers here. <laughs> or even after they've been there a while, going, hey, uh, we're we're running out of food. Um, <laughs> we, something's a little seems a little off. <laughs> I mean, this is really a temporary uh, uh, thing, right? Like, right. I really don't see how it would have caused Ross to get a monopoly on oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when Superman comes back at the end to miraculously uh, blow the oil, which, again, just like in Superman 2, he gets a new power. You know, he can throw the S <laughs> off his chest. Right. In this one, he apparently has the ability to separate oil and water. Yes. Feel, fills up the the tanker back with the oil and then flies away waving. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how long of that has that boat been sitting there? Like... <laughs> Here, here's a question. Should Superman be able to get drunk? Uh, there has True. been stuff. There has been stuff in some Other some stories that yeah. that show that because his metabolism works so fast, mm-hmm. he actually cannot get drunk. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, yeah. Superman never meets Webster until the supercomputer. Superman has no idea who Webster is yeah. until yeah. he he knows nothing about him. Mm-hmm. absolutely nothing but yet one of the first things he says is something about it's the four people it's yeah. the four of you who <laughs> you don't know any of those people other right. than Gus right none of those people and so it also makes no sense when Webster's going he's coming after me why why is he coming <laughs> after he doesn't know who you are right then Vera so they are trying to kill Superman mm-hmm the computer gets turned off by Gus. The computer fires itself back up. The kryptonite laser starts back up. Now, before this, of course, Gus has already realized, hey, this is all wrong. But even Lorelai has had like a, oh, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we're, we're But after the computer starts back up and the, the kryptonite ray starts up, Lorelai's talking about turn it off turn it off and vera all of a sudden is like i can't i can't why is does all of a sudden vera care that they're killing superman right don't understand Whereas that. because she thought they lost control of the computer more so yes yeah that's the only thing i that's the only it's it's very thin it's paper thin of a connection but that's the only thing i could thing i can think of and then i've got the at the end when lois comes back Mm-hmm. Lois just casually throws in that she was kidnapped by a ta- taxi driver. Taxi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> right. Uh, let's see that movie. Yeah, I want exactly. that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then I've got my final. Lana is working for the Daily Planet, however, never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what happened between three and four? All right. I think I think we've taken care of Superman three. How about you? <laughs> I think I think we've covered it pretty pretty extensively. It's but a silly movie. It, it is. is a silly. But well, I got, I'll go back to saying, but I enjoyed it. I it isn't. It's still an enjoyable movie. If 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 nothing else, for the nostalgic aspects of remembering it as a kid, and for that junkyard scene, as problematic as it may be, it's still iconic. And as you said, some of the best acting Christopher you've got to do in any of the Superman movies, yeah. and in the best shape as well. And, and not to make you repeat yourself, but that I say that gets us into bag it, stack it, or trade it. Yeah. So uh, what are you saying? If you have anything additional to add to what you just said, uh, go ahead. I'm trying to remember what I said for the other two. Um, 
But I think I've bagged them all so far, haven't I? Probably. We have to, we have to go mean, back and check the tape. We'll check yeah, the tape. Let's go check sure. the tape. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would I would still bag this one. Anything more you want to add other than the stuff you, you just said? No, I think I think those reasons are good enough. I mean, I think it's a thin line between bagging and stack it, but it's not as I said before, it's not of the same quality of one or really of two, either the Lester or oh, the yeah. Donner version. But for those for those main reasons, it still holds it still holds value for me. Yeah, I I couldn't go bag it on it though. <laughs> I I said stack it. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm the Superman guy, but I gave it a lower. <laughs> I said stack it. It's close so, though. Yes, it's a Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Yeah, as I yeah. said, it. I think it's his best performance of all four of the movies. Mm-hmm. I think he looks like he's in the best shape. I will say it was a little obvious. I don't know if you know this. It was a little obvious that he was wearing a wig. Um, in this mm-hmm, movie, mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, Christopher Reeve actually did suffer from alopecia. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So that's why in a lot of his other, uh, also he, his hair is a lot lighter in color. Yeah, I think than, I did notice that. Yeah. yeah, so that's why sometimes in other movies, yeah, he's he's a lot lighter in color. Um, his hair is not as thick. But as goofy as this movie is, I will say. It does harness back to the Silver Age mm-hmm. of Superman. Same as Batman. I mean, that's what the Adam West Batman was based on. Mm-hmm. Was the silliness of the comics at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, it, it, it yes, it doesn't compare to the first two. But if you look at it kind of like comics do, where this is just a separate story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be the same Superman, but... It's uh you know this was the story for the month. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the one they decided to go with, and it was a little little silly. Lester's Lester's vision of this movie, I think, may have worked better if maybe Richard Pryor's character became the Toy Man, and I know that's kind of funny since he had just <laughs> done the toy, right? But I think something like that would have worked better with his comedy. Yeah. Yeah, to do one of the Superman villains that does have a little bit more of a a silly factor to it. Mitch mm-hmm. um, Pitalik could have even, but but then you're getting into special effects, and the special effects in this movie were not, not as good, good as the first two. <laughs> uh, but like Tim said, it's a fun movie. It's an enjoyable movie. I even wanted to rack my brain to think, did I actually see this movie before I saw the first two mm-hmm. when I was a kid? Mm-hmm. Um, because this was one of those staples you'd see on television mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And so I, it's worth a while. It is not the, the horrible, horrible movie that I think you hear about. Right. And you yeah. see the, you know, you may see comments about and mm-hmm. and all that jazz. I do not think that it is that. I think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. Yep, I uh, agree. Well, we we of course we'll get Superman four next, and we'll see if that still holds true. But <laughs> no, but yeah, this this is not that bad. So I I I stand by. I still stand by though. It's a stack it, uh, because and and that's just because it's not Superman one and Superman two need to be set apart. 
from three and four. Yeah. And so that is why that is pro- primarily my reason for putting it as a stack it and not a bag it like I've done the other two. I And I, I respect that. I respect that. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Tim, for joining me. Anything you want to bring up about 80s flick flashback coming up? Anything you're doing exciting this summer? Well, you're having the summer of Superman trademark copyright. <laughs> uh, and I'm doing the summer of sequels. So we're I'm, ah, I'm looking forward to this. We're getting ready to... Do our first one for June, which will be Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, because the very first episode of the 80s flick flashback was Raiders of the Lost Ark. So why not do your first sequel? Um, It's not the first sequel we've covered, but just just kick off. You did Superman, too. We did do Superman, too. We've done Karate Kid, too. Uh, But we're going to cover sequels of movies that we've already covered on the podcast so we've got, uh, Laramie's going to be back for uh, Ghostbusters 2. We're going to do Rambo First Blood Part 2, uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, and Lethal, Lethal Weapon 2. I think I covered them all. Oh, and we're doing European Vacation. So I think those are all of the Ooh. sequels we're covering. So yeah, some good, some bad. But <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but ones that I know we've had a good time discussing the, the first of the... It's funny because European Vacation will be the first one we've done. That's the second sequel, but the third one we've covered because we've done Vacation and we've done Christmas You've Vacation. Done Christmas, yeah. So we hadn't done European yet. Uh, so I mean, you did Superman two without doing Superman one since it came out and in the seventies. Exactly. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I'm looking forward to summer of sequels, and then of course we'll in the fall we'll uh, get into our regular format, getting ready for uh, Halloween and then Christmas, of course. So, but I, I've got some. I'm really looking forward to what's coming in the fall. Uh, got some fun ones we're gonna gonna do in. Uh, October, November, and hopefully going to have some special things coming up in the fall as well. So still kind of get those things lined up, but but yeah, come check us out. Very exciting. And of course we will continue our summer of Superman, the 85th anniversary of Superman this year. Again, it was the 40th anniversary of this movie, Superman three, and it is the 30th anniversary of the death and return of Superman storyline. And that's what we are going to get into starting next week. Uh, Bethany has sat down and read the Death of Superman uh, story, the four issues that lead into it from Doomsday's arrival all the way to the death. Uh, And we're going to talk about that. And then she's going to watch the uh, Death of Superman movie. And we're going to discuss that. And then we'll continue into that, talking about how the comics progressed. Uh, Then we'll get into the, um, the Reign of Superman animated movie that came out and well, we'll just do everything that is related to that storyline in this uh, summer of Superman in celebration of, like I said, the 30th anniversary of that story and the 85th anniversary of Superman himself. And so I'm excited about all of that. And uh, and since Tim was already talking about stuff prepare- coming up even after and later, I do want to point out that towards the end of the summer, Tim and Nicholas Pepin from mm-hmm. uh, Pop Culture Roulette are going to join me. And we've already done the 80s. Uh, best comic book movie. We're going to do the 90s. We're going to tackle the 90s. Yay! Uh, <laughs> and it's going to take us that long to watch all of the 90s. Probably, comic yeah. Movies. We've already already been coming up with a list and it's way longer than the 30, uh, the, the 80s. Excuse me, than the 80s was. Because yes. uh, I want to say there were only maybe 20 years, 20 to 30 mm-hmm. and now we're we're already in the 40s of yeah. the list I've come up with so far. One did get eliminated. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, another one did, but I'll oh. tell you that, about that. I gotcha. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Rate and review the show. Uh, show us the love, and that way it gets out. So go on to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating, written review. That way other people get to experience the show. 
Uh, but we're going to wrap things, in, things up for today. And so thanks, everybody, for joining us. And for Moving Panels, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Welcome to the Summer of Superman. Get ready for an electrifying journey through the iconic tale that shook the world of superheroes three decades ago. Moving Panels presents a special series dedicated to the monumental event that changed the course of comic book history, the death and return of Superman. Join us as we dive deep into the pages of one of the most impactful stories ever told, exploring the Man of Steel's ultimate sacrifice and his triumphant resurrection. But that's just the beginning. Experience the thrilling animated movies, The Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman that brought this epic story to life on the screen. In each episode, we will dissect every chapter, dissecting the emotions and going behind the scenes of this unforgettable saga and its animated counterparts. From the impact on Superman's friends and allies to the worldwide mourning that ensued, moving panels will leave no stone unturned, delivering a comprehensive exploration of this milestone in comic book history. So grab your cape and join us this summer for the Summer of Superman on Moving Panels, where we honor the 30th anniversary of the death and return of Superman, episode by episode, reliving the awe, the heartache, and the undying legacy of the man who inspired millions. Don't miss a single installment of this thrilling podcast event. Subscribe now to Moving Panels on your favorite podcast platform and be a part of the Summer of Superman.